0: Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles. And today we're going to talk about, yes, iPhone 15 rumors. We know it's a ways away, but we have some information on that. Podcast and App Store winners, Apple has announced it this past week, plus things that Apple should still be releasing this year. This episode is brought to you by Magic Mind and Collide. And joining me this week... Is my friend Wes Hilliard. How's it going, Wes? Okay, Steven. My iPhone 14
1: Pro Max is looking pretty old right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to trade up for the...
0: Already ready. It's been three months yeah. and ready to go. Hard to get a pro model right now, actually. Uh, that might be some of the news later.
1: Initial uh, order people, yeah, they got lucky because uh, this whole thing in China is kind of you know, making the supply chain crazy. So I feel, I feel bad for anyone who had to wait until December to order one for Christmas because it's not going to happen.
0: Right. It's not going to happen. You can get normal 14s, no problem, but the pro models, they're. They're harder to get. So, I
1: mean, if you live in the middle of Utah and walk into like a Walmart, you might find one on a shelf, but it's, you know, (laughs) ordering online, you're not going to find one.
0: Right. Well, we're going to get to some of the rumors in a bit. We want to actually cover some news news because Apple did have a bunch of press releases earlier this week and they have their first ever podcast of the year award. Apple typically does app store awards, you know, Apple design awards, just overall app of the year. But this year was the first time they actually did a podcast of the year. It was a podcast by Slate called Slow Burn, won the Podcast of the Year Award. I'm hoping that this expands because their app winners. They actually do different categories. They separate out games from apps and all that. It'd be great to have like categories like podcast, nonfiction versus fiction versus interview. And uh, now this is a new life goal. Forget EGOT, you know, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. I don't need any of that. I just want the Apple podcasts of the year award. I'll, I'll settle for that. Yeah.
1: I'll, I'll nominate you, uh, and oh, not because you. I'm also on one of your podcasts, but me,
0: you and William, and uh, we all go up there and we'll all accept it together, which thank you. I, you know, I thanked William last week, but I do want to thank you personally for covering those two weeks. I really appreciate you guys filling in and, Heard great things.
1: So I, I want to ask you, uh, do you have any podcasts or here? Any, any you want to nominate? Like, it doesn't even have to be a new podcast, just any you've been listening to that you're like, wow, every time it comes on the feed, I'm just ready to listen to this.
0: Well, so the other thing that's interesting, I'm going to answer that, but Spotify does their like Spotify wrapped at the end of every year and you can see what songs and albums you listen to the most, but they also include podcasts in that. And then Pocket Casts for the first time actually has a listening history as well. So you can actually, if you listen in Pocket Cast, the app, you can go to your profile tab and it does the your year and podcast review and it will tell you how many days you've listened to podcasts this year. What are your most listened to shows? And it's really fun. I tweeted out kind of my thing. I listened to 17 days and seven hours of podcasts this year, which it sounds like a lot, but uh, there's actually people that listen way more than me, apparently. So my most listened to podcast, apparently I listen to 63 different podcasts across all shows. I actually listen to accidental tech podcast, probably the most it's in my like top podcast. It's number one, but it's also, I think, because it tends to be super long episodes. So if you count time listened to an episode as whether or not it's like you enjoy it more, I guess ATP took it on that. But I actually got into SmartList this year. I don't typically listen to pop culture and celebrity-driven shows, but SmartList, they're really great interviews. It's with Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett, and they have great chemistry, and I really enjoy listening to their interviews. It's really fun. So I actually started listening to SmartList. That was my number two top podcast, then the talk show with John Gruber, and The Verge cast. Then I also listened to Roderick on the Line, which is a smaller show, but something I've been listening to since since day one. But did you get any kind of report like that, or can you tell, like, what are your top shows listened to? Uh, No, I
1: use Apple Podcasts, and uh, they don't believe in nice things, but (laughs) I I might switch back to Overcast. I do this every once in a while, just going back and forth, because unlike you, and unlike probably a lot of podcast listeners, because my understanding is, is um, when you listen to podcasts, generally you listen to all of them, Uh, just, that's just the personality type. Everybody just goes and looks for, like, you have, like, 60 something. I have, I think, about 30, 32 podcasts, and like eight of those are seasonality based on TV shows like The Secession mm. Podcast, gotcha. s- stuff based on uh, Star Wars, The Complicated Profession, stuff like that. Uh, the Always Sunny Podcast, shout out to those guys, awesome show. Yeah, most of my shows are tech. Pretty much when I'm listening to a podcast, it's tech-related. Um, I'm a podcast completionist, which is dangerous because podcasts, <laughs> they're, they're numerous and long, Almost any time I have an AirPod on my ear, I am listening to a podcast. So, of the thirty shows I listen to, probably twenty of them are giving me shows at least four or five a week, and I am just you know constantly, constantly listening. So, anyway, it's hard to pick out just one because. But in the tech field, of course, uh, I would definitely shout out accidental tech podcast. That's everybody's choice. You know, the talk show can't can't miss it. Outside of tech, I've been leaning a little bit further outside of tech, if only by accident, because Hmm. Apple makes some podcasts and yeah i've been you know dipping my toe in on a few of these and i want to shout out little america if you like the show uh the podcast version of it they're they're relatively short about 30 minutes and you get these just little fun stories about people's immigrating to america and the one i listened to the other day was about this guy coming to america and starting Uh, dog training. (laughs) It's just this fun, fun little story. And it's just like, you know, I like, I like little, little things like that. So, you know, when I can find a shorter podcast like that, that isn't a three hour talk show episode with John Gruber. It's a little refreshing. I think my most favorite show this, this past year, again, uh, it's an Apple show. The problem with Jon Stewart, Mm. him and his podcast team just do a really good job a it goes along with the topic of the week of the show right. they put out special episodes throughout the year even when the show is airing on apple tv plus so you're constantly getting these little bits it's just kind of a, a fun news oriented keeping up with the world type show that i just wanted to put that out there if you guys are have watched the show at all definitely give the podcast a try and finally and i'll hush apple news today if oh, you guys yeah. don't if you guys don't use it get on it. It's it's the perfect nine-minute summary. They do a good job of, again, it's going to lean a certain way, but it doesn't sure. lean hard. And it does a good job of being fair and just putting the news out as, as is. And um, if you listen to it, even on the Apple News app, it links up other audio articles with it. So right. it's just a really smart little tie-in show. So I just wanted to, to let everybody know go check out what Apple's doing with their podcast stuff. It's kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, and I agree on the Apple News today. I don't listen every day, but when there is news that I want to learn about or find out what's going on, I'll jump into the Apple News Today show for like that day or that couple days. And they really do a great job to like summarize and it's not boring, And but they also don't like add a lot of fluff. And like you said, it's, it's pretty short. One other show I do want to mention It didn't make like my top five, but this is because there's only one episode a month. So, just like time listened is not going to be able to equal some of the other more regular shows. But Cortex, this is with CGP Gray and Mike Hurley on the Relay.fm network. Oh, yeah. And it actually made my list of the longest episode listened to (laughs) this year because they did their annual State of the Apps episode. Every year they go through kind of the apps they're using across productivity and entertainment and all that. Really great episode, you know, just hearing their thoughts on it and. You learn about some new apps maybe that you hadn't heard of before. But that episode, State of the Apps 2023, I think it's their latest episode in the feed, was three hours and 22 minutes long, which I think rivals uh, Gruber's talk show for one of the longest episodes ever. But it's a great show. So if you you haven't checked out Cortex, I I highly recommend.
1: Yeah, Cortex is great. I love their FM network. Um, uh, And again, I just want to say... Anything with Merlin Man in it is just so much yeah, fun. Yeah, I'm 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 always listening to that guy. So
0: I listen to a lot of Merlin Man. Yes, I do. So Apple also did announce their App Store winners. I won't go into all of them. They did name their iPhone App of the Year "Be Real," which is like kind of a quasi social network posting with your friends type app. So that was interesting. I, I haven't used it personally. So
1: I know about that app. I can tell okay. you about it. Okay. So so Be Real was popular for about eight minutes uh, of 2022. It's surprising that it made top of the year. I think it's because of its uniqueness and its approach. And it was very flash in the pan. And some people are still using it. I talked to my teenage niece about it. She says it got boring very quickly because the premise is uh, randomly throughout the day, you're thrown up a notification. You have two minutes to take a photo. And then you take a photo of whatever you're doing at that moment. And it takes a front picture and a back picture so it can become very dangerous Yeah, you have to post that image or you're not real right you're not being real oh, um so it's kind of a, a social pressure kind of fun little game but you know you have to imagine once you've done it a couple over a couple of weeks you're going to see the same school, the same, you know, ride ride to school in the bus or in the car, the same lunch table, whatever, because these are kids using it and it's like, okay, well we've we've seen everything everybody's doing and probably gotcha. tired of it.
0: <laughs> okay. I did see it like on TikTok, it was like a trending thing and I kept seeing the hashtag be real, but I had no idea what it meant. So
1: it's a, it's very much a feature, not a app. Like, not an- <laughs> I, I, I feel like Snapchat could easily steal this. Uh, for sure. And like it, it would be popular, but again, like once you do it a few times, I'm I, I, I agree with my niece. It sounds like it would just get very boring very quickly.
0: Gotcha. Okay. They also did name the iPad app of the year GoodNotes 5, which I highly recommend. If you ever need to annotate PDFs or you like to take notes on your iPad with an Apple Pencil, GoodNotes 5 is great. And I don't do a ton of gaming on Apple devices, but they did name Apex Legends the iPhone game of the year, which is something I've heard my kids talk about, and I see it kind of in various places. So those were some of the winners. We'll put links to the article that lists all the app and games winners for this year.
1: Popular Fortnite-style competitor. uh, Right,
0: because you can't get Fortnite. (laughs) Yeah, jump in and
1: uh, (laughs) battle a bunch of people, Battle Royale. Battle Royale, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. All of this also made me think it would be pretty cool. I think one day if Apple did like a Apple TV plus award show, like a la Oscars or Emmy style, but actually awarded the games and the apps, podcasts, maybe even shows, they probably wouldn't want to like highlight shows and movies that are not originals. But I don't know. I feel like having their own quote unquote streaming service, they could do something like this. I know at WWDC, they kind of do that for some of the apps, but with so much content, Just across the line, I think it would be pretty cool.
1: It it would be a fun, like, winter media event, like a January. Yeah, yeah. But it does remind me a little bit of, like, Nickelodeon's Kids' Choice Awards. Because, like, Oscars and everything, those are industry events that celebrate things across the industry. But for a company like Apple to come in and be like, we're going to give awards to ourselves. ourselves. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, it would be. It, it definitely feels like kids choice award style here. Here's your Nickelodeon blimp. Thanks for being on Nickelodeon. You're watching this on Nickelodeon and please tune in to Nickelodeon, but, yeah. um, cool. No, I mean, I'm, I'm always down for cheesy stuff like that. I think it would be another yeah. interesting place to just see more of the internal attitude and thinking of Apple around these things. And maybe we get some fun stats out of it. Like people watch 80 million hours of Netflix on their iPhones or something.
0: <laughs> that would be interesting. I will say for like the, the replay recap stuff, you can go to Apple Music and get this whole kind of year in review stats you're most listened to, but it is not in podcasts yet. And from what I've heard, it, it's not coming this year so, but I hope maybe future years you'll be able to look at your Apple Podcast app and see your listening trends for the past year.
1: Did you get your Apple Music replay? Uh,
0: not really. <laughs> like, I honestly don't actually listen to a lot of music because I'm usually listening to podcasts. And That's my problem, yeah. Yeah, and like my recap will be like, basically ambient atmospheric music
1: i had to fix that for the beginning of the year i was listening to a lot of ambient music especially at night i had a shortcut set up to play it didn't realize that i had my um, ipad that was doing that uh linked so it would be like you're you love the song lunar moon dance or something and it's like no I, i don't like this and it ruined my recommendation so i spent literally like the last four months playing hours of music from like alternative and rock <laughs> trying to fix my recommendations. Nice. And it says that I've listened to 140,000 minutes of music this year. And it's just like, geez, <laughs> I, uh, be, but yeah, I've just been having music on loop at work and stuff. And I like having music in the background, but right. I had to shift away from the ambient stuff to try and retrain my algorithm.
0: Right. No, that's yeah.
1: Before we move away from award shows, just one last thing I wanted to ask you, are you going to watch the game awards next week, December 9th? Do you care? Uh,
0: is it, who is that? presented by
1: uh exactly that is its own organization (laughs) the game awards is new i think it it began in 2019 and has been going since somewhere around that region of time anyway. It's a big industry event. They they try to make it similar to something like the Emmys. And uh not only do they award a bunch of like that's where you get the game of the year. And this year it's Elden Ring. Elden Ring, yeah. (laughs) And God of War, I think, are nominated for Game of the Year. But um so like that's where you go and see all that nonsense. And uh they also reveal a bunch of new video game trailers and stuff. So I'm I'm always hyped for it. You know, when I'm not talking about Apple I'm talking about video games. So I'll be watching.
0: Yep. Interesting. I'll put a link to the website in show notes. Yeah, the nominees for Best Game of the Year, A Plague Tale, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, and Stray. Was it the...
1: Uh... Ooh, Stray was great. I love yeah,
0: Stray. There you go. Well, link in show notes if you want to check that out. Seven streams in six days as you listen to this episode. I want to mention Apple put out kind of a short film, basically, highlighting all of the accessibility features across iOS and the Mac. It's an incredible video, you know, short film, whatever you want to call it, really highlighting all these features. But it reminded me just how much effort Apple puts into the accessibility of its devices. Typically, most people will probably not be using these features. But if you didn't know, your iPhone can do things like when you have the camera app open and you're pointing it, if someone was visually impaired, the camera app could then speak what it is seeing. And there's a scene in the video where it shows a gentleman looking at two doors. And it says, there are two doors in front of you. One is blank. One says stage. And just like being able to navigate something like that. He even pointed it at like a jacket on the wall. And the iPhone was able to say red jacket hanging on door or something. And just incredible. It can do stuff like that. And then someone else was navigating a Mac, doing like editing photos, like cropping, changing settings on photos. And for someone who is unable to use a keyboard and mouse or a touch surface, there are so many controls of facial expressions, everything from sticking out your tongue to scrunching your face to blinking, so many different actions that you can customize with just your face and head and, and movements there. Just really incredible work and just seeing how much of these accessibility things are built into a phone that any iPhone, any modern iPhone can do so much of these things. It's just wild to me. And so I encourage you to go watch it.
1: Yeah, anytime I see this stuff, uh, it, it makes me think it's futuristic. These this, this, this oh, yeah. You know, it, it can't be happening, but it is. And it's already in a device in our pocket. And a lot of these accessibility features, they lead into features for everyone. And not only that, I mean, I might be 31 years old today and my spine might be creaking a little bit, but, you know, I don't really need any accessibility features just yet. Yes, but yeah. that's the thing. At, I, almost everyone is listening to the show one day might need at least one of them. And honestly, the amount of work that Apple puts into this stuff, it's hard to think of where we might be, you know, in 20, 30 years when I might be thinking, man, I really need to lean on some sort of accessibility thing. Even what they're doing today is just amazing. It, it's always funny to think that people... Look at Apple, and they're like, "Oh, they're behind. Their machine learning doesn't work as well as Google. They don't collect enough data." But this dude's over here editing a photo by scrunching his nose. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, so it it's just it's just so weird to see that contradiction uh, play out in real time. That ad, that uh, accessibility feature, that was just really fun to watch. Kind of uh, pulls at your heartstrings, and I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'll be linking show notes to that. Also this week, Apple released iOS 16.1.2. There were some bug fixes there. There's probably some carrier bug fixes as well. I was thankful for this update because both myself, my son with his iPhone 13, and my wife, it all felt like iOS 16.1.1 was really buggy. you know, I was having bugs where I would take a picture in the camera app and I would try to swipe home and go to photos. And the photo I just took just was not there, just not in the photos app. I could go to the camera app click the little preview in the corner and see the photo I just took. But it didn't show up in photos for you know, several minutes. It's just weird bugs. Carrier data has been very strange. I have ATT and on my iPhone 14 Pro and I keep getting the 5G plus symbol, which is ultra wide on AT&T, the MM wave speeds, which it's never actually MM wave speeds. And it's usually when I'm like waiting at a stoplight in my car and I'm like, there's no way I have 5G plus. And so, and I would just not get any data. Like I couldn't load stuff. So hopefully some of those carrier bugs have been fixed in 16.1.2 and some of these other bugs, but I do find it just strange how buggy it seems recently. Have you experienced a bunch of bugs? 16 I'm in a group chat with a bunch of
1: people who talk Apple stuff and I'm on Twitter and I see people. I do not have any of these issues. I see people complaining all the time of all kinds of crazy stuff. And I'm like, man, I must be just the unicorn here because (laughs) maybe I'm just blind to it because every now and then maybe something happens and I'm just like, I shrug it off or, you know, I, I don't see anything as severe as like a boot loop or anything, but you know, a little bit of lag or something require me to force close an app and restart it. It's not like I have a log in my head that says every I've I've forced closed, you know, five apps today or something. I just don't think about it that way. Guess I o sixteen has been more buggy than others. I just maybe in the way that I use my device, I just don't mm-hmm. see it as much as other people. I don't know.
0: Well, hopefully this has fixed some things. Also, sixteen point two should be coming out probably before the end of the year, which we'll talk about in a second. But update your iPhone, see if it fixes some bugs
1: the next week or two, and I yeah I I love just again like our Apple Twitterverse is fun. Um, you know, uh, Zach Hall Apollo Zach on Twitter. Yeah. he's been on a kind of a
0: troll uh pace lately. I don't he know is. if he's just having a lot of fun. <laughs> he got his name back though. He was like kicked off. Cause, so basically, when Twitter was doing the get a verified check if you just spend eight dollars a month, he did it and then changed his profile name to Elon Musk right, and his right. profile picture to Elon, <laughs> and he totally got banned. And it was, I mean, kind of funny, but also he had a bunch of followers, so he tried to start another account, but he apparently got his name back. Yeah. So he, that, that, that,
1: that was a whole fun story. And he keeps posting pictures of Ed Sheeran saying that he did that. But um, <laughs> beyond beyond that, because he does look kind of like Ed Sheeran. But um, I did want to point out, though, it was, it was a good joke. Uh, iOS 16 one two came out and he said, you know, crash detection got an update. I guess if you crashed your car recently and it didn't work, try again.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: But yeah, he's yeah funny. just love it. Love it.
0: I've probably mentioned this in the past, but I do consume a good amount of caffeine. I drink my cold brew in the morning. I usually have some caffeine in the afternoon. Caffeine does okay, giving you energy, but actually having consistent and even energy throughout the day where you can actually focus and get things done. Caffeine doesn't always cut it. So instead of adding even more caffeine to my routine throughout the day, I've actually started drinking Magic Mind, drinking one a day. And not only does it give a quick energy boost, but it helps moderate the energy throughout the day and I can feel productive and focused. This way, it replaces some of the coffee I was drinking in the afternoon and throughout the day. It actually reduces stress throughout the day as well. And it even has great things that help boost your mood and help you relax. It's got some great ingredients you probably recognize like matcha, but there's one that I actually already have experience with, which is L-theanine. My family actually used to do L-theanine like pills because they help reduce stress. But L-theanine is actually inside the Magic Mind drink, as well as a bunch of other natural ingredients like rhodiola rosea, lion's mane mushrooms and a bunch of other incredible stuff. It helps with mental clarity, energy, focus, all around benefits, and really no downsides. It also tastes great, and I've tasted some green things in the past that were not good, but Magic Mind tastes great. Drinking it is actually a joy to do, super easy, fits right into my daily routine. I recommend you try it out. I actually shared it with my wife and my kids. They actually all really enjoy it, and so definitely try Magic Mind, and seeing how it worked for pretty much everyone that's tried it, and for me, I recommend you try it too. So here's what you do. Go to magicmind.co slash Apple Insider and you can get 40% off your subscription for the next 10 days with our promo code Apple Insider 20. You can get 40% off a subscription for the next 10 days with the promo code Apple Insider 20 when you go to the URL magicmind.co slash That link will also be in the show notes. You can just click it there. Our thanks to Magic Mind for helping our focus and productivity throughout the day. Speaking of what Apple might do the rest of this year, it is now December 1st as we record. So we have one month left of 2022. And I do want to credit Joe Rosignol from Mac Rumors. He tweeted some of the things that Apple has promised or at least alluded to that would be coming at least by the end of this year. And I'd like us to discuss maybe how likely it is. One thing he didn't mention was the Apple Silicon Mac Pro, which now that we've hit December. I think there's not going to be an event. I don't think there's going to be announcement. Maybe there would be a tease later this month, but I doubt that also. So we might not hear about the Apple Silicon Mac Pro until next year.
1: If it even exists at this point, I'll let you, there's a whole list here. I'll let you continue in a second, but I just wanted to point out this has been a rumor for so long now, it feels like one of those that might just go away.
0: But it's, a, but it's not a rumor though, because even at the WWDC event this past year, it was Jeff Williams who said, we have one more.
1: Yeah, but Apple announced AirPower, didn't they? They can say whatever they want and then never ship it. It's just
0: AirPower was a new product though. I mean Apple Silicon is across the entire lineup. The Mac Pro is an existing product. I mean
1: I'm not saying that the Mac Pro new version isn't coming at all. I'm just saying it whatever version was coming with the the rumors of the M one Ultra Pro Max whatever chipset and uh all of this stuff, that version of it, I think is, you know, scrapped and uh, or something something has happened maybe it's the supply chain issues who knows but whatever we were getting i think is no longer on the table and it also just feels like maybe the mac studio is enough maybe they're seeing some sales figures maybe they're hearing from the back end i don't know but and whatever mac studio s- sequel we're getting with the m2 processor maybe that'll blow us away but it's just sure. interesting to me that you know we're, we've been waiting for this mac pro to come Yeah, we don't have any Mac right now that matches that, you know, $50,000 version of it. But I guess the question is, is how pressed is Apple to have a product like that out on the market when honestly, I think they're still selling the Intel version of that Mac Pro uh, to the customers who need it. Oh, for sure. Like Pixar, Apple... I'm sure is working on something, but it's not. And yes, they gave us a deadline, two years, whatever. And you know, everyone's going to probably pull this out as a talking point for the next five years. of Apple missed their Apple Silicon chip date or whatever, uh, but in my, but for me, I I just don't see it as that big an issue from the consumer side of things. I think you know they met their mark. They made that. They released every version of a Mac that they could with a redesign, with new processors that take advantage of it. And it was quite astounding. And I don't don't want to belittle Apple for their accomplishments there just because they didn't get to release their $50,000 computer eight people are going to buy.
0: No, no. And I don't think they're hard pressed. I don't think the customer base is clamoring for it. Like, I don't even see on Twitter or hear from people like up in arms about it or even looking for it. Like I really don't hear anything about it.
1: Is, is John Syracuse waiting <laughs> for the Apple Silicon Mac Pro?
0: It's him, but I really do think, like you said, the Mac studio has taken the place for maybe a majority or a lot of the people that might've considered an Apple Silicon Mac Pro. And I just think it's interesting saying it's a two-year transition, Right, Jeff Williams- Again, saying the Mac Pro is the last one left to make the transition and then not hear anything about it for the rest of this year.
1: This is one of those stories that in 20 years we might get a book about that'll be really interesting.
0: Yeah, the behind the scenes. Right.
1: Like, I, 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 because I feel like it's still coming. I, but it does, it does beg the question of does Apple need to be in this market? Like, are they serving? a market segment and and Steve jobs and, you know, uh, Apple philosophy in general has always been, it's not about the market share. It's about what we can do with uh, the product. So I don't see them saying, no, we don't need a gigantic expensive Mac pro with Apple Silicon because who's going to buy it. That's not really Apple's philosophy, but I, I guess I'd, I'm asking the question, though, of do they really need to be in that market segment? And is, is current-day Apple, given the supply chain, given what's going on, and given the unbelievable performance of the Mac Studio, are we really that worried about something like this? And maybe we wait five years and see some kind of new Mac Pro on the horizon.
0: Maybe. I don't think it'll be a five years, though. I, I think we will hear something in the next year, if anything, yeah. like even if it's a... We're making the Mac Pro and it seemed like it was great, but the Mac Studio has taken, you know, whatever. Like, I think there'll be some kind of word about
1: it. You you heard it. You heard it here first, guys. Uh, WWDC Mac Pro announcement. Just pulling that one out again for the third time.
0: Well, I mean, (laughs) that is where they do it. You know, that would would make sense. Also with like a Pro Display XDR 2 or something, it could be WWDC. But anyway, for the rest of this year, like we mentioned, iOS 16.2 should be coming out by the end of this year and with 16.2 there are a couple features that apple has announced that is coming they haven't said it's coming in 16.2 but they've been delayed apple pay later which we understood that there were some issues with some of the financial backing of apple pay later where you could buy something with apple pay split it up into four payments that is not available yet probably not coming this year although it's possible the apple card savings account where when you buy something with your Apple card, you can typically have the daily cash back and you can use that either to pay off the Apple card or just use it as daily cash, like in the cash app on your wallet. But the Apple card savings would take that daily cash and put it into a savings account for you. That's not active yet, might be coming in 16.2, but could also be next year. Apple Music Classical, which we've heard about for over a year. And this was one of the things I tweeted with Joe Rosignol about it. Because he said that Apple announced it would be coming this year, 2022. I totally forgot about this, but I'll put the Apple newsroom press release in the show notes. When Apple acquired Prime Phonic, the classical music service, they announced in that newsroom release from August 2021, so over a year ago, that next year, quote, there'll be a standalone Apple classical app. And so that's this year, 2022, and there's a month left. That could be something that Apple launches this month, maybe just in a press release or releases, you know, that's probably not a huge wide ranging feature, but I would like to see it. I like classical music. So that's another thing. And also self-service repairs in Europe. In the US, we have the whole self-service repair. You can get like all the kits and the parts and repair your iPhone, iPad, some Macs, things like that. It was supposed to launch in Europe. Apple promised it to be this year, 2022. 2022 but there has not been a word on that. So those are just some of the little things that we might see this month. Again, like we had four press releases from Apple this week. We could probably have some press releases in the next coming weeks, maybe about some of these things. We'll see.
1: Yeah. I I expect that a lot of what's going on globally, uh, financial, uh, financial issues, supply chain issues, everything else, just the global stage has finally, I think caught up with a lot of Apple's things. We didn't really see it over during the pandemic because when Apple was releasing those products and those software announcements and everything that was all developed before the pandemic started. And now going into 2023, I think we're seeing a lot of these products that were developed in the middle of the pandemic and in the middle of this supply chain crisis and, and everything else. Is finally getting seeing we're seeing that impact play out in real time. And yes, Apple promised a lot of things for 2022, and we're we're having an increasing list of things. And I think Apple might have learned their lesson on promising things even a year ahead of time. Just maybe don't. Cause we're all going to be talking about it, <laughs> <laughs> sure. but, uh, I, I just, I just wonder, I, I, I don't expect any of these things in 2022 to be quite honest.
0: Okay. Well, we'll see. I'm, I'm just hopeful for the Apple classical app. Cause I was really curious what they were going to do with it. Like, I want to see of what of it design. looks like. Yeah. yeah. yeah I just want to see what it looks like. So maybe we'll get that. We'll see. Speaking of things, not this year, the iPhone 15. Yes. We have some rumors about it swirling around Our awesome render artist for apple insider saad ismal he actually has renders of the iphone 15 based on some of the rumors that we have now which is a slight hardware change you know the iphone 14 basically the same body style as the 13 and 12 save for the different size camera bumps but the iphone 15 some of the rumors is that it would have a curved bottom edge you know if it was sitting on a table and so the renders kind of display that it'll be in the chapter art and of course, in the images that we put uh, for the, on Twitter and all that kind of stuff, but really looks awesome. I mean, the renders are amazing. And so if this is the design, looks pretty cool. Some of the other changes, some Apple kind of alluded to like USB-C, that whole interview with Greg Josuiak and Craig Federighi with the Wall Street Journal could be going to USB-C, maybe Thunderbolt in the next iPhone. Two selfie cameras is another rumor that there might be two on the front. A periscope rear camera, which we've talked about many times, whether or not Apple will do the periscope style you know, lenses refracting off any other to help with the physics of the depth of the phone. And also solid state buttons is another rumor where it actually wouldn't be physically depressed buttons, but just kind of like touch sensitive surfaces. Yeah. I don't know about that. I also would not prefer that. I don't think so. I don't think that's really.
1: Apple has no reason to do that. Um, People say that it would be for water integrity. The the water. (laughs) Yeah. The water integrity of the physical buttons is already better than the port changing that to solid state doesn't improve the water integrity of the phone because the port is still not as water integral. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't yeah, make any yeah. difference. So why make that decision now? It doesn't make any sense, but
0: one of the other rumors is the name too. Cause it seems like iPhone 15 ultra might be one of the models that comes next year. I, I really don't know how I feel about this. I do know saying iPhone 14 pro max it's a mouthful. is it's a mouthful, but to say iPhone 15 Ultra and not, well, like, I don't know. I don't know. Is that like a level above Pro? Would that be a bigger size? I don't know if that word is good for the phone.
1: The rumor around this name is spurious. I think it might have come from, good word. yeah, like the, the general, I, I attribute it to uh, what I call the, the Chinese Twitterverse. Um, yes. There's like three or four rumor people who are generally accurate you know it's not a disparaging term they're you know they're just in china but uh th- but they're generally accurate they usually get some weird inside info that doesn't seem like why would the supply chain know this right Right. Um, because they're getting their information usually from supply chain sources that some of these guys i think are teenagers that literally box things in factories and they're just able to get a hold of weird things right and that's that's why we see so much of this stuff like through majin Buu and stuff like that's why it's so hit and miss and so hard to cover from our end because it's like we can't not cover it because it's getting shared like wildfire but it is just a little strange uh the ultra name though i Believe it, it it works, you know, from Apple marketing standpoint. We've been having some background discussions with the Apple Insider team about how to approach this generation of phones when we're writing about it. This year, the little inside baseball, iPhone 14 plus iPhone 14 Pro Max. Two, you know, there's a dividing line straight down the middle and then a dividing line in each category. Right. But for the 15, it might be iPhone 15 plus Pro Max ultra mm. so there'd be four distinctive fighting lines but no categories within them and that feels a little bit more apple like if only
0: because it it makes it might be a feature differential yeah. because the larger size on the quote-unquote pro models might allow for like additional cameras or maybe even periscope thunderbolt or whatever
1: and a lot of these rumors point to the Ultra as the only one getting certain features that Apple's going to go right. back to distinguishing it that way. That's why we didn't get the name change this year because the Pro and Pro Max are identical except for size. Whereas this phone would be probably a fifteen hundred dollar smartphone starting point with up to two terabytes of storage. You know, like there's there's a lot of stuff going into this thing. This might be the only one with Thunderbolt. The Pro model might might get USB C with uh you know three point one speeds. It, it's it's hard it's hard much. to say where all this lands because again the rumors don't get that much clarity they just don't and um, it was fun working with Saad to get these uh, the renders uh, renders together the curved edge. You know, we had a lot of discussion about what that looked like, where to terminate the curve into the glass, and I think it makes a lot of sense how we have it set up now. It does kind of look like an iPhone 11. I've heard some people point that out. I I don't know. I personally like the way this looks, and I'm excited to see what Apple does with it.
0: Yeah, for sure. I agree. And man, I I really love the years when the Pro models are feature parity, meaning you can just choose the size Pro or the size Regular that you want. But I also understand there are some years where just the physical limitations of the body size, the case size, necessitate some features. Two selfie cameras. Yeah, things like the two selfie cameras. Of all these features, though, I am actually looking forward to USB C and Thunderbolt instead of Lightning for one, well, for a couple reasons. One, yes, like streamlining the kinds of cables you have to bring when traveling. That's nice. Again, when you're just sitting at your desk or you're just at home, like you're going to have everything. Like I, I still have Lightning devices. AirPods Max, AirPods, whatever. But also in some of the other work that I do, I have to show people how to connect USB microphones to an iPhone. And the process right now is cumbersome and not reliable because a lot of times you have to use weird adapters. You can use Apple's lightning to camera adapter, camera USB, but it's USB A, not C. And so if you have a USB C microphone, You have to use an adapter to go from USB-C to A and then use Apple's adapter. Using non-Apple branded adapters is even less reliable. Third party stuff can get really wonky. Honestly, like a lot of people want to use their iPhone as kind of a recording device. And if you're gonna record audio, you wanna plug in a good quality microphone to the phone. You can get microphones that have lightning connectors on them. Those are pretty niche. Like I do have the Rode video mic that has the lightning connector. It works really well. You have to take the case off because it won't fit without it. But if you just have USB-C on the iPhone, some of those accessory ecosystems will become much easier to deal with and much easier to recommend for other people. So I'm looking forward to USB-C.
1: Yeah, I wonder if how how this is going to affect Apple, um, the made-for-iPhone program Mm. licensing and such, because... The licensing's never been about the port. I mean, there's a hardware component that Apple sells, yes, but it's also about the functionality with iPhone, and I believe Apple might fail in trying, but I think they're still going to try to sell the made for iPhone sticker, like a verification check more or less of, yes, this is USB-C, but we verified that this works with the iPhone the way that it intends to, or maybe it works with an app in a certain way. And I, I wonder how Apple's going to carry that forward. And also I wonder how compatibility is going to work. Cause I mean, driver kit is a brand new thing in iOS. I, I believe iPadOS 16, but I, I I'm sure it's an iOS 16 as well. And I wonder if you can just plug and play anything with USB or if there's going to be certain drivers required and if they're going to have to build certain components for an iPhone to actually make this work and how Apple's going to work with accessory makers on this. Like, because I I bet there's going to be plenty of people who just plug something in and get disappointed. uh, If at, at first anyway.
0: Yeah. So we'll see it's coming less than a year away as it always is. But of course, stay tuned for more rumors. You know, once we get to the summertime rumors really increase in likelihood and credibility so I'll,
1: I'll i'll be buying this phone regardless the biggest version they got <laughs> right i'm excited for a design change this is this is the year for yeah. one so uh bring it on this should be great bring it on
0: this episode is brought to you by collide traditional endpoint security tools can make your workplace feel like a surveillance state it turns the users and it team into adversaries and ultimately will drive your employees to work on unsecured personal devices You don't want that, and it doesn't have to be this way. Collide is a device security solution built around honest security. Their philosophy is that employees aren't your biggest risk, they're your biggest allies, and your relationship with them should be based on transparency and informed consent. Collide works by notifying your employees of security issues via Slack, and it gives them step-by-step instructions on how to resolve those issues themselves. For IT and security teams, Collide provides the right level of visibility for Mac, Windows, and Linux devices. And it can answer questions about your fleet security that traditional MDMs can't. You can meet your security goals without compromising your values. Visit collide.com slash appleinsider to find out how. And if you go to that link, it will hook you up with a goodie bag just for activating a free trial, a free goodie bag for a free trial. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash appleinsider collide.com slash appleinsider. And that link will also be in the episode show notes. Our thanks to Collide for sponsoring this episode. An app that has released that was announced with the Apple Watch Ultra, the Oceanic Plus app. So if you are a scuba diver or even a snorkeler, or just want to try out some depth app in your pool, which that's what I did with the Apple Watch Ultra, you can now get the Oceanic Plus app. Andrew O'Hara has a great video and a walkthrough of the app showing all the features. There are a lot of paid features. So if you want to use this for diving, you're probably going to have to end up paying $10 a month is the subscription. Or you can buy a day pass for a dollar just to try it out. But looks really cool. And yeah, another good use case for Apple Watch Ultra, especially if you're into the uh, the water stuff, Scuba.
1: I really hope that they come out with you know some more colors and stuff because yeah, I'd actually be interested. I don't want a titanium colored watch. That's really my only complaint yeah. at this point. <laughs> if,
0: if, yeah.
1: if I could get it in a different color, it, I feel like it would just look so much nicer and it would go with my bands and stuff.
0: So I, I've been living the Apple Watch Ultra life. Since it came out, I really like the Ultra. I was wearing it 100% of the time, sleeping, getting up, all of that kind of stuff. I have since moved now into the dual Apple Watch life, and I'm wearing my Series 7 to sleep, and then using the Apple Watch Ultra during the day, mostly because... The ultra was a little uncomfortable at times when sleeping, depending on how my arm or hand was positioned. Like I would end up with like red marks all over my arm because the, the the crown guard thing was like pressing into my hand or something. Right. But I also find how small the 45 millimeter series seven looks and feels when I go back to it from the ultra. Like when I look down at it and when I just, when I'm wearing it, first of all, I do think it is more comfortable than the ultra just like if you're going to wear a watch and you really are going for comfort and you don't care for the ultra features. I do think the series seven and series eight, it looks so nice. I really like the rounded edges and rounded corners now that I've kind of lived with both and it is just more comfortable overall. For sure. But I, I do like the Apple watch ultra battery, which is amazing and like doing I've been walking outside, just doing walking workouts, literally never having to worry about battery life or anything like that, and the larger screen. I do like the larger screen, and the 45 millimeter looks a little small now coming from the Ultra. But I will just say, like whatever watch you choose to go with, like there are pros and cons to both, and the Series 7 and Series 8 still look amazing.
1: I feel like the existence of the Ultra kind of says that there should be the smaller end right? Um, version two, I, it would be amazing if Apple could just make a screenless health band. That was just a bracelet that you wore that could track your heartbeat and sleep tracking. Like do every sensor thing that an Apple watch does just no display. And honestly, I'd probably wear both at the same time, just one on each wrist, but like, or as an alternative, like you living this two watch lifestyle, instead of having a whole nother Apple watch, it just feels a little egregious, right? Like have this little band thing. I feel like Apple has like the perfect storm for that kind of thing. Charge $99 for it, but I don't think they would ever do it because it would definitely cannibalize their more expensive watches.
0: Yeah. What do you add here? What is this? So you
1: have a, so yes, so you have the battery health thing. That's a rerun of an old piece. Yeah. Uh, There's a reason why it's in the timeline though. It's because of this TikTok story. So that's why I added it.
0: Okay. Yeah. I was going to talk about battery health. We've talked about battery health in the past. I was only going to mention after plugging in my Apple watch ultra or not plugging in, but I set it on my Belkin charger a couple of times and it was trying to do the optimized charging and stopping at 80%. But I was trying to charge it to wear it to bed. And so I had to like, you know, manually tell it. But I will say I will give the watches credit, Apple Watch credit overall. After telling it to charge fully a couple times around 11 p.m. or midnight, it got the hint and it stopped optimizing charging at that time of day because it knew I was about to take it off the charger. So kudos to watchOS team for like recognizing usage patterns and how I want to do it. But yeah, we don't have to talk about all about battery health. Tell me about this, this TikTok uh, nonsense article. All
1: right. So I don't, I don't know if we need to get t- too far into it because uh, I'm not going after a specific person or anything, but Andrew O'Hara, our, our video guy, yeah. uh, he's also in the HomeKit Insider podcast.
0: Um, That's right. I know. Yeah.
1: I, I believe you're acquainted. <laughs> I'm familiar. He, he pointed out cause he, he's a, I don't know if you know this, Stephen, but he's a heavy TikTok watcher, probably just like you. I believe you're, really? I, I believe you're a TikTok watcher. I am.
0: I'm on the TikTok.
1: You're you're you are on the TikTok as they say. Um yes. so he pointed out a character. I'm not even going to name their account cuz I don't want to get into sure, it. But sure. um yep. this this person claimed that they worked for Apple some years ago. Someone on Twitter pointed out he's apparently worked for Apple as soon as 2014. But we we assumed much earlier, but he was there before Steve Jobs died and worked at least till 2014. We don't know where retail whatever. But it was just one of these people I'm a former Apple employee, so I'm going to tell you all the things about Apple. And he got like two and a half million, probably way more now, probably like some, something like three, four million views on a TikTok discussing um, iPhone storage and how Apple uses the other storage bug. It's apparently a known bug within Apple that the other storage slowly fills up over time purposefully in order to get people to buy new iPhones when they run out of storage. They got like three million it, it, insane pure pure madness uh so we wanted to write a little article saying guys no <laughs> this that, that's not how any of this works but it got worse because as i was writing it he put out like three more videos saying just increasingly insane things about how mm. apple products work so I, I i went into a little diatribe here maybe i got a little too invested in it but it, it it's a good read I, w- I would take a look at it but i just wanted to psa guys don't believe everything everyone says especially Especially If they claim they're an Apple employee, because they might've mopped the floor in an Apple store once. But even then, like as Mike Worthley, our editor said, we, and he helped add parts of this because he has input at Apple insider. We have experience working for Apple themselves. Mike's worked for them for years, uh, you know, su- supply chain side we've, we've interacted with you know, repair side, all of the, all the facets. And none of these things this guy is saying is true. Uh, So firsthand knowledge on that. Not only that, we also know how these devices and products work and how all of it is managed. So we just wanted to debunk a few of these claims that are getting millions of views on TikTok. And just, just a slight reminder that maybe don't take TikTok too seriously because anyone can make and publish a video claiming whatever they want. So.
0: And it's a shame because also semi-recently, I guess this was over the summer, there was the 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 woman Apple employee who had a TikTok and we actually covered some of the story because Apple was like threatening to fire her over some of the things she said on TikTok but all that to say she actually had really good advice right. about Apple devices and what does a scam look like when you're getting these text messages and she had lots of videos that were really good so it's difficult because as I do scroll TikTok a lot sometimes there is excellent information out there it's great and then others is like yeah. Uh, maybe a little spotty and others that just really should be ignored, but it's like YouTube. It's like YouTube. But the problem is I feel like YouTube is a better gauge. Like if you look at views versus subscribers versus engagement, like you can read comments and you can see the amount of likes on a video. I think it is easier to grok at a glance, whether a tutorial or whether a creator on YouTube is providing valuable information or does not know what they're talking about Yeah, you about.
1: don't know what made those views on
0: TikTok. That's so like
1: thing. were people watching it ironically, were they making fun of it, were they does it actually provide good knowledge? Right. right.
0: And that's that's the issue where TikTok you can have a video with literally millions and millions of views. It is I think less likely that people will jump into the comments, especially if it's a tech related video. And if you just see a bunch of likes and literally millions of views, A, it's gonna get pushed in the for you page. And so you're likely to see it. Right. And B, like you really have little context to compare it to. Where like if you go to YouTube and you search for iCloud storage settings or whatever, like you're gonna get videos that are like YouTube is gonna surface probably the best videos, also the most views, but given that they're on YouTube, it's probably because it's good information. And the recommended videos on the right-hand sidebar or wherever you're watching, I think will offer Good alternatives on the same topic to say, also check out these videos to learn about iCloud storage. Whereas, TikTok, after you watch a 30 second video from somebody, once you swipe away to the next video, there is no like, you might also want to watch this other video about iCloud storage that might be more credible. Like, there is none of that yeah. suggested algorithm which a lot of times we talk about algorithms in a negative way, but when it comes to YouTube, I think it has actually can be a source for good.
1: I don't know. I, I don't I don't use TikTok because I just don't have time. And I, I personally just don't feel like I have space for that kind of content. I don't really care for I don't even use YouTube. We've talked about this before. It's just these kinds of things are fine, but I, I'm going to use my time elsewhere. Sorry, guys. But TikTok's just such an interesting platform in that way. I feel like it is designed to show you misleading information if only because it's so much easier to uh, like fall for, like see it and like the the, the views are going to be higher on that kind of stuff because it's easier to digest something that is false made up to fit a purpose versus It might be harder to swallow the truth because the truth is more complicated or more nuanced in a way that people don't want to think. They just want simple answers. And TikTok does a really great job at providing simple answers. And sadly, videos like this one, like we covered, like the the guy goes on to claim that Apple has the technology to make iPhones last eight years if they wanted to. They just artificially limit the batteries. And this is the same guy claiming to be an Apple employee who knows what he's talking about. And, And so. I don't, however you view our business, at Apple Insider, I, I feel like I'm in the job of informing people. I, I feel like I'm in the job of educating people about Apple and their technology, how it works and what they can do with it. And this kind of stuff makes my job harder because now not only do I have, am I trying to teach people? I'm also trying to unlearn, help them unlearn whatever nonsense they've seen on TikTok or, or Facebook or whatever. Uh, some, something their uncle told them at Thanksgiving dinner is, you know, had to do with aliens. Like I'm, I'm, I'm working through all of this garbage, trying to get them to just the fact is, yeah, charge your iPhone whenever you want and, uh, replace your battery every two years or buy a new iPhone. And that's the end of the story. But this guy's over here saying, no, Apple actually can make it last eight years. And
0: well, and uh, I, I will just <laughs> say like to that specifically. So my dad had an iPhone 10 until a few months ago, which is five years old. He actually replaced the battery, um, at an Apple store. And it was like, Good as new, and for what he was doing on it, like it was just fine. And so, I think it is actually reasonable to say if you pay to get your battery swapped, which is not an expensive proposition, like you can usually do I think like sixty nine dollars, maybe depending on the iPhone model. But if you want a six or seven year old iPhone, like yes, it will work, Absolutely. and it is still getting iOS updates, unlike Android phones. But battery
1: <laughs> battery chemistry is a physical thing. You, there's nothing you can do right, to fight that. Right.
0: So I would say.
1: As long as iOS supports your iPhone, use it until it breaks in half. That's fine. I'm not even, I don't even care if you use an old iPhone. Just don't believe these people who handle this yeah. planned obsolescence. Like anytime you see any person utter the words planned obsolescence in any way that isn't a joke or ironic, just walk away <laughs> because it just, it's yeah, not yeah. true. You don't break the device that someone has to convince them to go buy the same
0: device. That's not how, anyway, yeah. moving on all right yeah we're running long so i want to hit three things lightning round very quickly number one i watched spirited the apple tv plus original with ryan reynolds and will ferrell it was great love to watch it, it yeah. if you want to watch yeah it was it was it was wonderful so uh two thumbs up for that uh ryan reynolds will ferrell if you're listening i doubt it but if you're listening I'd love to have you on the show <laughs> let's talk about spirited uh number two you know earlier this week elon musk tweeted from apple park that tim cook gave him like a tour of the thing it was kind of interesting. You know, I don't want to get into everything about Twitter right now. The video that Elon Musk kind of posted was kind of funny because you could see Tim Cook's shadow right. on the ground, and like Tim Cook's like signature glasses and profile was like so clearly visible. So that was kind of funny. But I, I only mentioned that to bring up Mastodon because the more I am like scrolling Twitter and I don't know what's happening, and people are like trying to find alternatives, everyone keeps talking about Mastodon, Marco Arment had like a little tweet thing and he was like, I'm putting my effort in Mastodon. You can follow me here. I just have to say, I tried Mastodon for maybe ten or fifteen minutes. The convoluted nature of signing up for that service and trying to figure out how to work it, it is not a viable alternative to standard social networks right now. Like it would have to change.
1: It won't and it will never be. It's not it's just not it's not built for scale. It's not, I think ATP might've went over this, but it is not built for scale. And it, it's fine as a solution to say, Hey, my 50 closest Twitter followers that I interact like our, our inner Twitter, Twitter circle, let's go to Mastodon and keep communicating until the next good Twitter comes out and then move from there. It's a good stepping stone, but it will never be the, the new Twitter. And that is to say, again, we, we've, Gone at length on this in previous podcasts. Apple Insider has been covering it heavily. I don't personally believe Twitter as a service is going anywhere. It may be on fire. Servers may be failing. There may not be enough employees. <laughs> that's all, you know, that's all happening. That's all real. Right, right, But ultimately, I believe there will be a Twitter at the end of the tunnel. It may not be a good Twitter. It may be, it may look a little bit more like true social, but I think it might exist, at least in the pocket of the universe, where Apple insider will more than likely still have an account as long as the servers are active, but ultimately we might see, Hey, there's this better nicer thing along the horizon and it just doesn't exist yet. I created a Macedon account. I agree with you. It is not a good service. Um, and those guys that own the server that you created your account in could just shut it down tomorrow and then you won't have an account anymore and have to start over again. So,
0: and and as I was thinking, like, Thinking of the big names that use Twitter, namely politicians and world leaders, as well as like local news anchors and like celebrities doing the Mastodon signup process, I was immediately like no. none of those people will sign up for Mastodon. Like they will go to the website and immediately leave and default back to what they know, what is honestly much simpler and easier to use, which is Twitter. I've looked at Hive. I put myself on the waiting list for post, which is another Twitter style service, but the, Ugh, but
1: the and, they, and they seem to have so many problems at Post. so
0: <laughs> all of them, all of them. And so like, as I keep trying to find these other things, I think it again, solidifies the point that Twitter is unique and even as it might be on fire it like is still better. <laughs> Some of these other yeah. services.
1: I mean, uh, Hive is built by two college students, and they have a million users. Yeah. How is that? Uh, that is not sustainable. And then you look at Twitter, and like I said, you know, Twitter is in the middle of that car crash, and we're all we're all kind of observing it. We're poking fun. Elon Musk is kind of making a fool of himself in a lot of ways, in the way that he's behaving and communicating things, outright lying about certain things with Apple, and you know, walking a lot of statements back. It's it's just it's entertainment at this point. Yeah, but. Ultimately, I believe what will happen and you can, you know, put this, put this away for a later day to remind me if, if it's true or not, but ultimately I believe we'll see this continue to spiral in a weird way. Nothing's going to ultimately fail or break that will remove twitter from service no. elon will eventually just get tired of dealing with it and appoint a new ceo that maybe thinks a little bit more like elon but also probably has a better business sense and gets things on track and guess what we'll just be back to twitter being twitter and we'll be okay yeah. as long as there's some moderation and the eu's pushing for it and the, these regulations and stuff coming through as long as there's some moderation on the platform and as long as you can block people that you don't want to see it'll be fine and we'll, we'll be okay.
0: I'm still on it. We're still using it. Wes is on there. Apple Insider's is on there. I do think there's kind of a resurgence of websites. <laughs> like people just wanting to go to a website or use the RSS feed for a site and like RSS readers. Like, I don't think it's making a huge resurgence and it's not going to be as popular as it once was, but that's literally what I do. Like I use reader. Yeah. I have a bunch of new sites in there. I even have some YouTube channels in reader. Because sometimes YouTube can make it weird like to get to your subscriptions tab and just see the people you follow. And so, man, using RSS feeds for all of that, it's actually a great experience. You should try it. (laughs) It's really good.
1: I think the, I think the community aspect of it is what's, uh, like I would miss about Twitter. And that's why I would say, you know, make your own micro communities, you know, make your own discords, make an iMessage group chat with people you can trust. And like, but I have, I have a question. I know I've asked it before, but do you think Apple has any reason to even accidentally create some kind of social network on their, on their devices. So I, I, I I bring this up because I was thinking about it the other day. I made an iMessage group chat with some Twitter friends in order to manage the process. I made them a contact card. I saved it to files, made it a shared folder and shared that folder with everyone in the group chat. So that way everyone that I, (laughs) I added could get that contact information. That's good. What if Apple just gave us usernames. Just give us a username. And that way we have our Apple ID email address for signing in and stuff. But let me have a public-facing username f- that works with everything. We already have a Game Center and we already have an Apple Music. Why are they different tags? That doesn't make any sense. Just make it one universal thing. Maybe just give us a profile page, a, a wall to post our status on. I don't know. It doesn't seem that far-fetched at this point, honestly.
0: <laughs> it 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 does Like what,
1: what if you went to apple.com slash social slash, you know, Stephen Robles and saw your profile, what Apple arcade game you're playing, what music you're listening to and your current status. And, and that was, you
0: know, like that was it. <laughs> Here, here's, here's the thing. Number one, if Apple were to actually give a public website, like if Apple were to give you a profile on something, something.apple.com. Where someone can read what you are posting publicly, (laughs) that is immediately content moderation. And I will—I think I'm fairly certain that Apple does not want to have to touch content moderation with a ten-foot pole. Absolutely not. They already have to deal with App Store moderation, podcast moderation, the iCloud page. The iCloud page looks cool. Here, look. Here's if—if anything, if anything, I think Apple is continuing to build messages like the iMessage features. They're building it out. I could see that expanding slightly more into like a group conversation type feature, like almost like a Slack-ish competitor where you could maybe join a company or like a friend group thing. And it's it's something where you can send a link and people can join that group chat rather than having to be directly invited by someone. I could see maybe those kinds of features in the future, but anytime something moves into the public facing side. Right. Like I, I immediately think Apple's like, no way. Like I, I, like they're not going to deal with it.
1: It it just brings on too much scrutiny, but uh, one one last silly metaphor and I'll, I'll let you close up. (laughs) <laughs> Ro- okay. Imagine you're playing roller coaster tycoon and you're building a theme park and you've built every piece of the theme park except for the walkways. So you have a theme park and people just can't walk between the attractions. That's what Apple has right now. They have their social network. They just haven't connected the dots. They have every piece of it. And at least from my point of view, and I, and I agree with you, the regulation would be insane. It would open up a whole new thing. They would probably just need to open a new sub subset business of Apple, uh, to run it. But even if it was just a public profile that, uh, you, that you couldn't even, that you couldn't even yeah. add anything to other than what you're doing with Apple products and say, you know, follow this person or let me, I message to this person, like, let me have a way of sharing a, <laughs> I iMessage with a person via a username. Cause right now I have to give you my email or my phone number. That feels too personal. Anyway, right. I, I, I just wonder, I just wonder if Apple is even considering anything like this. And it, cause it, it, even since like 2016, I've been looking at all these disp- disparate pieces of Apple, the iCloud stuff, the, the iMessage FaceTime and everything feels like, you know, game center, Apple music profiles, all this stuff is just sitting there and all they need to do is connect the, the dots and they just haven't yet.
0: Well, like, so you look at Apple podcasts, like I am sure that there are podcasts in the Apple podcast directory where the content is not something that Apple wants to promote or even put into a public facing sphere. But that podcast creator can go to podcast.apple.com or wherever and create those social cards that are, that have the Apple podcast brand and the tag, and you can actually download directly from Apple's website and you can post those on your social media. And I think while it is a line, it is a, not a fine line it is a very clear line to say, here is a podcast, go listen to it. And it is clearly that creator's voice or that creator writing something or posting, whatever, like it is behind, like it is their thing as opposed to something being on Apple's website or, or, you know, being like quote unquote approved by Apple for public consumption. You know what I mean? I think there, there is a line there between referring to something that someone has made and hosting something that someone has made, which is what, Twitter and all these social networks do like they are hosting your content and that I think is
1: the difference between the difference between Disney Plus and YouTube. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I get I get what you're saying and I mean, I would use it, you know, if I had like a public profile that Apple could say like here's all the places you can find this person and if you do want like the whole iMessage business chat where it's like gray and you're communicating with a company. If you could like have that as an option because you're an approved whatever brand or
1: I don't know, like that would be cool features. I just wonder if it's inevitable, you know what I mean? Or not even like, even if they just straddle that line of we're not a social network, but we're basically everything but a name, a social network. Cause I mean, they're already 98% of the way there, a username would take it to 99%. The only thing I think they're missing from being a categorized as a social entity is that part of it that makes it social the feed or the timeline or you know like the instagram half of it or whatever but like it just it's just interesting to me it's just a thought i've always had that increases with probability with time with every new apple feature because it feels like they're towing that line they just don't want to cross it
0: and i will actually to your point i think the shared with you feature feels closer to a social network type feature right because those are recommendations that people have sent to you in various ways. Maybe it's via text. Maybe it was like an airdropped link or whatever. And you can go to your Apple Podcasts app. You can go to Safari. And you can almost have a quote unquote feed of things that people have recommended for you. And so like that kind of recommendation engine. Like I would love a place where I can see all of the news articles, podcasts, links, images that people have wanted to share with me and you know right now it might be a dm on twitter it might be a slack message or whatever like i could see apple saying hey we can curate all the things that people want to share with you and the things you want to see and here's your for you page you know there's already a for you section in all these different apps maybe that like that i don't know that actually feels closer maybe to what you're you're talking about well i'll
1: tell you i t- who, who is it that left Twitter Phil Schiller yeah Phil
0: Schiller deactivated his account all right. well <laughs> I'll,
1: I'll tell you one thing that makes Apple more of a social media company than Twitter uh I can follow Phil Schiller on Apple Music uh, I can't follow him on Twitter
0: all right good point well let us know listeners if you want a social profile on, on apple.com also I didn't get to it I have a Pixel 6a and I have some thoughts so if you really want to hear about the 6a thoughts versus iPhone tweet at me. You can also tweet at Wes. Let him know your thoughts about Mastodon or social networking. He would love to hear it on Twitter. Our Twitter handles are in the show notes. And of course, you could support the show, get an ad-free version and early access, both directly in Apple Podcasts and at patreon.com slash appleinsider. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.